When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., I'm doing good. Uh, Sunday night, of course, was watching Sunday Night Baseball at Tropicana Field. We're going to talk about that to close the show, but that was very, very uh, fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, sort of reacting to the games today. Uh, We had a lot of guys who recently got traded who have already made pretty big impacts on their uh, team, and we're going to be talking about those guys uh, absolutely uh, in a little bit. But, LJ, this first story is – uh, huge here. I mean, this is, uh, I can't believe that, that this ended up transpiring. Absolutely. Uh, star pitcher from Vanderbilt university, Kumar rocker, the number 11 pick in or 10th pick in the draft, excuse me, will not be signing with the New York Mets as the draft pick signee deadline has officially come and gone he will no longer be a part of the Mets organization. The Mets will receive the 11th pick in next year's draft compensation. Yeah. It's always one pick after um, you get the compensation pick, but 
LJ, how, how can they let this happen? Like, so here's, here's what we understand, right? Cause we talked about this last week. The Mets saw an issue with Kumar Rocker's arm. Kumar Rocker's camp didn't think it was a big deal. So clearly there is a major disconnect between the two camps here. If they can't even reach an agreement, what probably happened is the Mets said, okay, we're going to give you this signing bonus, which was, I believe was above slot value there, the 10th uh, draft pick. And then they realized that his arm was, was injured or what they believed to be an arm injury. And they said, well, I'm not sure we want to give you that amount of money. And they would just rather not sign him at all and not, you know, risk anything and just get a comp pick next year. I mean, LJ, it's pretty bizarre. It is bizarre, you know, and it just gets more bizarre. I was absolutely floored when I found out that they didn't even offer him a contract. Absolutely floored. Because, I mean, this is a guy who, again, we talked about the other day, started 20 games this year. And started pretty good games. Like, he, he was still just as good. He was still being talked about as a top five talent in the draft coming into this. It wasn't like he got lit up throughout this entire season and even starting 20 games because his arm wasn't 100% there. But I just, I was, I was absolutely stunned. I mean, again, I can understand if you don't feel comfortable with $6 million for most teams. However, as a team that preaches that they're willing to spend money for the right guys, this seemed like the right guy, even if you do have to deal with an elbow surgery somewhere in there. I was willing to look past that, but to completely go go in and not offer him a contract is unthinkable. Oh, it's awful. I mean, I can't even find, I can't find the right word. You know, I'm looking for it, but reprehensible possibly because this is just, this, this can't be going on. And what really drives me crazy and shows that they obviously think they're doing the right thing and are going to pay for it down the line is this tweet from Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen at about 6.30, so about an hour and a half after it became official that the Mets would not end up with Kumar Rocker, tweets out, education time. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. So what he's saying there is he values the investment of not signing him and getting the 11th pick in the draft more than he values Kumar Rocker, which is absolutely nuts. It, 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 it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's nuts to me because how can you look at that guy, look at everything you saw, look at the amount of advancements we have made as our human race, as sports medicine in working on these elbow injuries and not being willing to take a chance on that upside at 10. There is no way, no way you're going to get somebody like Kumar Rocker sitting there at the 11th pick in the 2022 draft. Especially at a $6 million mark. Like, mm. I understand that, sure, the Mets are like, from a financial standpoint, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, especially if he has to get something like Tommy John right like then it's like okay well we just spent six six million dollars on a college pitcher and you know he's gonna be 
however old and he hasn't even pitched a pro game yet. Like I get it. But also this guy is like one of the most he's he's like one of the most known names that was in this draft. You're going into one of the biggest markets in the sport. You could market this guy so well. I mean, you pair him up in the future with maybe Jacob DeGrom because he is a college pitcher. So it's only maybe two or three years in the minors, two or three full seasons in the minors, and he, he's then up in the big leagues. Pair yeah, him up they, with- they were talking about, before they realized on this arm stuff, there was reports that the Mets considered him as soon as next year and possibly a relief role to start with and then move him into the rotation. Well, one of our friends from the, uh, actually, I should say our informant from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, he said that uh, he thinks that Kumar Rocker would be better off as a reliever in the MLB, which, sure, with his with his picks pitch mix, would be interesting, and uh, I would I would love to see him empty the tank for for like one inning as a closer or something. That would be. That would be cool to see. Yeah, it would certainly be interesting. I mean, you know, I think out of the two of Rocker and Lighter, I would have probably ended up assuming that Lighter would be more apt for that role. But either one of them could do that. Either way, I just... Tommy John. Tommy John's Tommy John. We just had a guy two, two three years ago come back from his second... To- after two or three Tommy John's, and be one of the best players to not get named World Series MVP in that series. Like, he was probably the second or third guy on that team that would have deserved it. He put, you've got guys now pitching lights out after a bunch of these surgeries over and over again, not having it right. And people are still going to be this skittish about bringing a guy in. They're, I, I mean, you could you could write this down right now. He even if he has Tommy John, he is going to be completely fine. He is going to still be one of the best ten picks in his draft class, even with the surgery. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly be be willing to make the bet that. At the, at the end of the day, when we look back on the 2021 MLB draft, Kumar Rocker finishes, in terms of players drafted in the first round, top 10 in war. Like, there's there's no doubt. Like, the value that you got out of the 10th pick and letting Kumar Rocker slide that far, like, I don't know. Maybe the reason he slid that far was because these teams already knew about this arm injury, but I can't believe the Mets didn't know. In well, other teams, part of it was know. the fact that they didn't know. Well, no, well, I'm the fact saying that you like, wouldn't give an MRI, I think, scared a lot of teams. Yeah. Well, if it's scared, if if it really scared you, why would you pick the guy in the first place? Like, were they re- like then then you have to think. All right, so if their only thing is because he didn't want to give them an MRI, then why draft him in the first place and then not sign him? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's if if so many I think what you're trying to say here is if so many teams wanted to pass on him because they were concerned about the lack of MRI, why weren't the Mets? Where was the due diligence there? 
No, because I th- I feel like the Mets were concerned that there was no MRI, but they still picked. Why would them. they pick them? Right, exactly. They obviously, weren't as concerned as the ten, the nine teams ahead of them. Right. Which again, it makes sense either way. Either way, I think I still take him with the MRI at the without an MRI at the tenth pick. However, I can completely understand those first six picks because the value is completely different there. Like if you could get. Marcelo Meyer at four rather than or Kumar Rocker and you don't know what Kumar Rocker's um, health situation is because of the MR, not having the MRI then I most certainly would end up choosing the other guy because you've got so many guys of high value in that standpoint that it's a lot easier to screw up like you're going to miss out on a lot more big potential big time guys if you go with this guy and end up getting burned. But at the 10th pick, it's not, it's the 10th pick isn't the same as the fourth pick, fifth pick, sixth pick, third pick. No, uh, I agree. I totally agree. And, you know, we always talk about how, how volatile the MLB draft is. And I mean, it's already showing it just how, how crazy it can get. But this next, segment uh, is really LJ's to take away he got to be able to go and see Chris Sales was it his third rehab start yes his third rehab start his third rehab start for triple a Pawtucket LJ Worcester uh, oh Worcester are they in are they in Worcester now yep they made the they made the move this year is the inaugural season of the Worcester Red Sox mm. Woo. And, um, yeah, no, I got it, got a chance to go. It was, it was quite the show. I will say, because I mean, not only was this my first time at Polar Park, Polar Park, Brandon, we got to get down there at some point. The whole place is very, very nice. Overall, it's, 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 it's one of the higher level, nicer minor league parks that I've been to. And for the amount of money, the city was willing to commit to that project. They certainly deserved it. So overall props, props to everybody that put that together, but I'm, I'm proud to say that I was to get able to get in just barely able to get into something very, very special that day. They ended up by far breaking their sell ticket sold record. This was the most highest capacity game of the year. I mean, why wouldn't it? You've got, your number three prospect there in Jeter Downs. You've got Chris Sale, the best one of the best players on your team. You've got Marwin Gonzalez also there making his rehab stint. Um, so there's just, I mean, there you're of course missing two guys from the Olympic team, but either way, those other guys balance it out very, very well. So you had a lot there to watch. They ended up actually stopping general emission sales well before game time. I think it actually might have even been as soon as the day before. So we're talking the entire place was absolutely full, positively full. Um, it was at least five rows of people in standing room in the back of the park. The entire berm, if you if I told if I stood there and told somebody there was a berm in left field that hadn't been there before, hadn't looked at a map, they would not believe me because you could not see a single patch of green grass across the entire outfield, absolutely packed, certainly, certainly wild up until sale left. 
so overall a great environment i mean i don't think i honestly don't think they could possibly sell as many tickets as they did for any other game for years so that was cool as for sale i don't think he's ready i don't think he's as ready as it seems um most recent reports as of today sound like this this next start on saturday very well could be his last rehab start i wasn't sold he looked great he did he went five innings one earned and seven strikeouts eight strikeouts overall uh fastball touching 96 slider looked great as always but for me it was the depth he did not have the depth that really will be required for a start overall his first his first i'm not going to give him too much of a hard time i'd say the first third of an inning was a little rusty it was kind of the you know the warm up build into an inning the next 3 and 2 thirds looked or 3 3 and a third looked exactly like chris sale the same guy you remember the everything about it was just right the fourth inning hit and you could already tell he was gassed. He started getting hit hard. Every single thing was about 260, 270, every contact that was made fair. So overall, you know, I just think, I, I know you can't wait forever on this. However, he did not look like he could consistently be a top-end starter. Three innings of Chris Sale looked like an ace. The rest of it did not. The rest of it looked more like a four. So Maybe I'm a little over-concerned about this. Of course, you're coming into a very precarious situation here. Red Sox, you know, the offense has been relatively cold to come back from the all-star break. So we're, you're on a bit of a slide. You're also in a very competitive division race. It's a hard situation to be tooling around with getting somebody who just had um, extensive elbow surgery re-engaged into the rotation this is a very tricky spot to be doing that with you really need him to come out running and i'm not 100 sure he's ready to do that well not only uh is there a lot of uncertainty and you know i don't think you want to really disrupt a lot of what you got going on there with the rotation we can't forget chris sale is coming off in 2019 the worst season of his career and whether you want to say because it wasn't because of the injury or not, I mean, I feel like that works against the argument because if you say, well, it's because he got hurt. Well, yeah, that's why it was the worst season of his career. And up until he got hurt, he had the highest like ERA that he's had ever in his career. And we're used to seeing Chris Sale dominate through the first few months of the year, like right up till August. And then, he falters. Then the postseason comes back around. Of course, that World Series, he pitches pretty good. I think he had like 10 Ks in five innings. Oh, he, or something. he was awesome. He was good. Like, it's just, he, I don't know how, like, what we're going to see out of Chris Sale anymore. You said he could go three innings where he looked like, like vintage Chris Sale. Okay, so three innings. It's a it's his third rehab start. He's coming off Tommy John. You know, we could take it easy on him there. But you know, next year, do we trust him to go a hundred? Do you guys trust him to go hundred seventy innings? Like, that's that's where I 
have an issue with it because he's had injury problems in the past where, you know, he hasn't get, he's only 2018, 158 innings, 2019, 147 innings. Do we, do you really think that he's going to be able to come back next year and I don't know, give you that length that you need in ball games? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a you see, this would be an unpopular opinion, I think, with a lot of Red Sox fans. However, I completely agree that at this point, I'm not sure you can rely on him for an entire season of that. I mean, you you cannot you cannot deny he's one of the best in the game when he's in, that, when he's in that pace. But what it really comes down to is keeping that pace so he's healthy through the entire season. Honestly, you know, I agree. I, I mean, you, there's no there's no denying that it was his worst season. I mean, just the, the numbers are right there. However, if we want to talk about underlying factors of that, I really don't think it is him falling off the cliff. Hmm. I just think it's a lot of what we'd already seen. I'm a, I mean, of course, he does get end up having significant issues later in the year where he ends up getting shut down. But overall, that was a huge issue for the entire rotation to begin with. They got a lot of innings put on them in that postseason run as a whole. And so the entire group was tired to start the year. So overall, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure he is able, he will ever be able to keep up an entire season, an entire 200 innings. Because that's that's just not him. I mean, you look back at 2018, he missed just about the entire month month of August. So overall, I think the best option, if I were the Red Sox there, to answer your question in a very long way, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Now you clearly know you have a roster that is a few moves away from being a contender. Go out and really bulk up this rotation to the point where you could potentially maybe even just sit him or have him go once a week for the first every sixth day, something like that. Right. Honestly, I would, I would rather see him go to a Friday or whenever the last home day game is plan Mm. for several months and let him ramp up towards the end of the year, August, July, August, September. I would rather see him do that or just miss the entire first month of the season, then I would try to get him through from April to September. You know, and I think the, I would say the one good thing about only having him go like uh, once a week is that, okay, so you have that, that uh, weekend series. If you have your ace on the mound in a series, you're thinking, we have a good chance to win this series. We're going to win with our ace on the mound. We just got to pick up another game. I mean, so you got Chris Sale on the mound every Friday. Yeah, sure, he's not going to be be pitching during the week, but you have 
Evaldi, like you said, you guys are going to have money to spend. Try to go out and bulk up that rotation. Take some of the load off of Chris Sale. So then it's like, okay, we have all those guys to pick up a lot of innings. Now we got Chris Sale on Friday. Friday night, Chris Sale against the Rays. Like, that gets you excited as a Red Sox fan. It's like, if we take this game right here, we got a one nothing lead on the series. You know, we're in it. And Chris Sale's the type of pitcher, one of the few that where you can feel confident like that when he's on. Yeah, again, if if you just honestly, what we have yet to see in his career is somebody really take focus on managing him. Like it's always been, okay, you're the ace, go out and be everything for this team. And sometimes, some, sometimes you just can't, if you can't handle that amount of innings, that's not a knock on your talent, your capability, but you need to go out and get it. I also don't think it's that hard, especially in the off season, if you're willing to really spend, it's not hard to find a guy who could become a swingman. If you can find a starter that would be a good matchup to put into the bullpen late in the year. Again, that only makes things, things easier. I feel like that's always the most difficult decision in a playoff roster is, okay, who do we really trust here? We can't have all five starters in here. Some situations we don't even have all four. Which guy do we feel most comfortable coming out of the bullpen? Do we feel comfortable with any of them? Or are we just going to let them sit there even though they've contributed so much and have been good for this team all year? So if you can find one of those guys, bring him in right and have it go well, that adds immense value to the team. Granted, both of those moves that they made this year have worked horribly. They are two worst pitchers, but we're not going to talk about that. The one guy that I think of that probably fits that build the best was Alex Wood on the Dodgers. I mean, mm-hmm. he was like a starter the, the entire season for them. And then once the playoffs came, they were bringing him in the fifth, sixth inning. You know, like if they had a left-on-left matchup that they liked with him, they would bring him in right there. So, you know, you're absolutely right with that, that it, it, it is easy to be able to turn some of these guys into a swingman come, come playoff time. But, LJ. Yes, Brandon. We had a very busy trade deadline, and – a lot of the guys that got dealt are settling into their new teams very nicely. Absolutely. And I mean, what's better than starting off with a bang, ingratiating yourself to the team, especially when you get to get into those new jerseys for the first time, it gets, it it certainly gets exciting. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and get things started and talk about some of these guys who have been really special in their opening memories for their team uh why don't we go ahead and start with the yankees and anthony rizzo one of their their big deadline day move came in with quite a start did they play today yeah so he had the 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 clutch go ahead hit uh the yankees rallied in the eighth and ninth inning to to win today thanks to anthony rizzo he also had uh, a home run in Saturday's game, a home run in Friday's game, which was his first game for the Yankees. Uh, 
the Talking Yanks podcast for all 162 games of the year, every year, they give a Performer of the Day award. And Anthony Rizzo was the first player in podcast history to get it for every game in a series. <laughs> and it was his first three games as a Yankee. So, I mean, I'm absolutely loving this guy. The short porch is going to be beautiful. You know, I, I heard an interesting point about him the other day, and someone said, Kyle Schwarber is built more for Yankee Stadium, and Anthony Rizzo is built more for, for Fenway Park, yet the teams traded for the opposite players. It was like they were playing, playing defense on each other more than <laughs> offense. It was like, well, we don't want you to get the guy that suits your park, so we'll take the other one. <laughs> Very true. The other... Uh thing i mentioned to you not sure what i haven't seen what a reaction i've elicited yet but we need to remind everybody let's slow down take a chill pill on this anthony rizzo thing after all danny santana hit two home runs in his first two games as a red sock and i mean look at him now so did i see he's on the il now yes He, he pulled a hammy in left field against Buffalo, that last se- last series in Buffalo. The Buffalo Blue Jays of Toronto. Well, the next guy is another Cub, Chris Bryant. Uh, LJ, I believe he went yard today? Yes, second game as a San Francisco Giant. And Chris Bryant goes ahead and goes yard. Been playing a lot of third base over there. We got Crawford back now. This is really starting to look like a really frightening lineup again, one of the best home run hitting lineups in the league. This is just – this has to be agonizing for Cubs fans right now because they were the biggest – one of the biggest movers in this deadline, and every single one of them is just going off to start this. Like, if they'd all gone off at the same time like this right now, who knows if they were even getting traded? Like, if they had been doing this just a little bit earlier, all at the same time like this, there wouldn't be a fire sale in Chicago. There might be pieces added to that team. It's just so wild to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you you bring up the Giants. How about them taking two out of three against Houston this weekend? I mean, that's a big-time series. Astros in San Francisco. and. They take two out of three, two of the best teams in the league right now. And that that was a fun series this weekend. That's yeah, really- I mean, again, those are those are two teams that if you told me they won the World Series as a try, if you're a time traveler and you told me that they won the World Series, I'm not shocked at all. And the Giants, you know, they just continue to come up in the big games. I just talked about it a while back, back in May when they were starting to gear up towards that stretch where they didn't have to play the the uh, Padres or the Dodgers at all in the first month. And then all of a sudden they had to play four series against them in one month. Every single weekend was against them. And I was like, all right, you just need to win the games that you're supposed to win during the week. And you might be able to hold on to this division. They said, they pretty much have said since then, screw that. We're just going to go out and win the games that we shouldn't win. And win the division by brute force. Can we talk about the other thing that is absolutely ridiculous with this team? Sure. They are second in the league in home runs. 
They don't have a single 20 home run hitter. They just have a lot of hitters that have a little bit of pop. They have they have nine hitters over 10 home runs. It's one of the most consistent power attacks I have ever seen. It's kind of crazy. Pretty much their entire lineup has over 10 home runs. Yeah, crazy. Like, I just, I, I struggle to get my head around it because, like, you don't see that in the game. I mean, it's rare enough to see. I mean, Buster Posey is kind of the big missing link in that, or in, in, usually would be the missing link for most lineups. We see such a lack of offensive catchers these days. And so you'd be, with most of them, you're shocked to see them get into home run totals that are on par with the rest of the top players on their team but he's out here competing it's just again I, I have to assume because I highly doubt that Brandon Belt or Evan Longoria hit 20 home runs in the first two months of the season so you're talking about Brandon Crawford at age 34 and a half being the the biggest having oh geez having the most home runs on this team with 18 and at one point recently, they were the top home run hitting team in the league. Yeah, uh, that certainly doesn't, or I, it certainly does surprise me that uh, they are one of the top home run hitting teams in the league. But LJ, you're talking about how bad it must be to be a Cubs fan right now. Well, I'm going to rub a little more salt in that wound because the, the third of the big three from Chicago to get traded, Javi Baez, uh, his first game as a Met. LJ, would you like to tell me what he did? I believe he hit a dinger, Brandon. He went yard. I just if – oh, and you want to know who uh, it was against? Oh, who was it, Brandon? <laughs> I believe – that the Mets this weekend took on a team by the Cincinnati Reds, the Big Red Contraption. They're they're trying to knock them off during their hunt for Reds October. How dare they? <laughs> and the Mets broke out the black jerseys the other night for the first time mm-hmm. in like 10 years or 20 years. They wore the black alternate jerseys. Looked very sharp. And I also have to mention, speaking of looking sharp, that Mets jersey kind of suits Avi Baez. Like, it, from a, I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not a fashion expert. However, I'm a pretty big jersey guy. Some guys just don't fit the look, and they probably should take it into consideration when they sign places. Francisco Lindor looks like a clown. Javi Baez is looking fresh in that and of course that was all anybody could talk about even before that game so the poor Cubs fans really just haven't gotten a reprieve no not not at all well the next guy we want to talk about is Jose Barrios gets traded to the Toronto Blue Jays and in today's game against the Royals he got the start six innings five Hits no earned runs in seven Ks and he gets the win. Uh, 
already giving the Blue Jays pitching help that they could desperately use. What are your thoughts on the Blue Jays number five? Where it's kind of the two thing. What's that? You know how, like, on the numbers on the Blue Jays jerseys, completely distracted thought, but you know how it's kind of like it's two separate lines? Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Looks cool. It looks cool, but I mean, it's original. It's original. I, I just, does it make them look kind of slimmer? I don't know. It just, it, it, it grabs the eye differently than any other jersey out there. Well, speaking of uh, things completely off topic, I'm not sure if you saw what some of the Blue Jays did to Vladdy Jr. today. I swear. He had played in 161 games in a row, and they finally gave him a day off. He apparently was so mad. He, he, he wanted to play so bad that the teammates then his teammates tied him to the dugout bench where so that way he couldn't get up and go and play in the field well, or, I th- or go hit. Well, I think we understand why he plays every day now. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get into this game, he's going to be an absolute menace. This is a baseball junkie, high energy. You got to love it. Honestly, you know, these are, these are the fun moments that you forget about. We don't have any good baseball blooper people anymore. Like there's, there's, they, they go, they come and go so quickly these days. I hope, kind of hope TikTok could kind of capture that, but the lifespan for TikToks is just so short because everybody puts out four or five of them a day and there's a million people on the app. So a billion I don't know. I just, people on the app. I just, that needs to be something that comes back. I'm blanking on the names of the shows, but ESPN used to have a show. A bunch of people didn't used to have a show that was entirely devoted, devoted to bloopers. It's just, it's a missing art of sports nowadays. Especially in baseball when there's just so much, so many different uh, games that are happening every day. I mean, 30 games or 30 teams, 162 games per year. So much happens in the span of those games that you're you're bound to get some really funny stuff. I mean, just from watching all the Yankees games, you see a bunch of stuff. And I'm sure, LJ, you watching all the Red Sox games have seen uh, some pretty funny stuff that, like, you wouldn't normally see. Absolutely. I mean, the first one that pops into my head of recent memory the Yankees basically had like a seizure three times in that one game, a group seizure in that um, one game they won at Fenway, the one where they blew the game late, the out of Eno game. Mm. They had a defensive seizure that caused like the inside the Parker for Duran, the double for Duran. It was just brutal picking on it. You know, those, those types of plays I love, the accidental injuries – the ball sitting off a guy's head. Um, what was it? Oh, we're putting the explicit tag on this, right? Sure. Okay, because um, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. One of the highlights of yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, was Jesse Winker finds a fan. I'm not sure if you saw this. I finds, saw this, yes. Yeah, this finds, was... <laughs> finds a fan at the game that says, some. the sign basically says, "We hey, Winker, you're a bitch or something like that. He ends up trading a baseball for the sign, says he's collecting all of them. It's just th- those that stuff too, you know, it's an untapped market, but then you also consider, you look at the college side, you look at the minor leagues, you look at high school, you could devote hours to just American baseball rain delay clips. That's when most of the fun happens. When these guys get bored out of their mind in the middle of these three hour, or not three hour, but hour long rain delays that just, it blows your mind. Well, the next pitcher we want to talk about is Kyle Gibson, who got dealt to the Phillies. They played the Pirates today. Uh, the Phillies won 15-4. to Kyle Gibson got the win, pitching into the seventh inning, six and two-thirds, five hits, two earned runs, and five strikeouts. Got the win, so now he's seven and three. I guess the point with with – uh, me asking you about Jose Barrios. I should just combine the question. So both the Phillies and Blue Jays trade for starters, and they both pitch today and pitch well. I mean, that's exactly all you can ask, right? Yeah, and I think that certainly helps the public perception of the trade because of the short-term memory of most fans. Like, granted, they can't completely suck for the rest of the year, However, if they come out and have a few strong starts to start everything, if they go and just end up being mediocre down the stretch, people aren't going to rip the trade as much as they would if he stunk to start and then came out and was quite good towards the back end. So overall, this this really helps the teams. It helps the front offices when you can get a guy. It helps the player when you can have the guy – come out and be really good to start getting the public favor. The last two we have to talk about here, unless Brandon had something else to add there. Um, Jan Gomes and Starling Marte. Apparently Jan Gomes didn't take too kindly to Brandon say, Brandon saying, oh, this one's kind of, this one's kind of here as a joke because the Nationals are take, are basically just giving everyone away. Jan Gomes goes yards tonight. Starling Marte also collects three hits 
as he is also in his first week in Oakland. Overall, it's a pretty good time to be an A's player right now as the Cavalry's coming in. And you do you think they do you think they have enough there to contend with Houston for that division spot? Ooh. What's the standings right now? How many four games? Four and a half. I mean, Houston is by far the likely winner. Uh, I don't know about the Oakland starting rotation right now. They've pitched well all year. I mean, a guy like Cole Irvin has certainly stepped up in a big way. And Chris Bassett's been really good. Same with Sean Manaya. But look, I mean, I, I, I just feel like Houston top to bottom, like you, you look at the top five in the Houston lineup compared to the Oakland lineup. And it's, you know, Houston has a lot more depth, I think, especially starting pitching wise. I mean, Houston's got a guy like Christian Javier coming out of the bullpen. He's a starting pitcher and they've been using him out of the bullpen a lot. So Alex Bregman's still on the IL. Uh, They're going to, they're, they're the, by far better team, but Oakland is certainly close that gap. Yeah, I just think overall, when I see Oakland, I see the more comfortable pitching staff. Because if anything, I think the best word to describe Houston's pitching this year has been streaky. Because they can go on a month where they are where they have where they'll go four times through the rotation and put up historic numbers, and then all of a sudden fall off a cliff for the next three weeks so I I just I could easily see them having a little trouble here they're probably going to have at least one more skid during the year if Oakland can keep hot I'm not asking for the ridiculous streak they had towards the beginning of the year where they won all those games but if they can just stay hot and stay consistently good for the next two months I don't think they're out of it no, certainly not. Well, we're going to be talking about the – I think LJ and I will both pick a couple teams just to banter about a little more. The biggest winners of the trade deadline, uh, immediately a few pop into my head. LJ, when you were uh, thinking about this segment, who was the first team that you uh, thought of? The reason I thought about this – idea was entirely over what I said that you didn't agree with on the last podcast about the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers are not only the biggest winner of this whole deadline, but they are the only team that has changed their place in my power rankings for me. They're the only team that's really moved the ladder with the deals they've made in my opinion, because overall, I think I look at it, let's look at it, the deal itself gives them a lot of flexibility, gives them another great starter. But overall, you look at the team in the perfect lineup, perfect, ideal, healthy group that they're expected to have by the end of the year, that team will take, will overtake the Giants. They're just going to be that good and they're going to be convincing every single time out there. It is going to be a lot of fun to see. So for me, they they were able to take a spot that the Giants 
had very well handled, especially with Trevor Bauer being out. I think I for a while I would have easily put the Giants as the number one team in the National League, the team I thought was most likely to come out of the National League in the postseason. Dodgers would have been two, and then so on. But now, of course, I will put the Dodgers ahead. So the they're certainly – sorry, go ahead. No, you can go ahead because I'm just going to name my team. Right, name uh, I was going to go with the uh, Chicago White Sox. If I've, I'm not going to pick the Yankees just because it's, it, uh, I'm not doing that. Chicago, uh, look, they might have had to give up Nick Madrigal, but as for right now, Nick Madrigal doesn't really play a huge part into this, this team uh, right now for, for this year. Craig, Craig Kimbrell does, and – to be able to go out and get Craig Kimbrell, they have one of the best bullpens. No, I'd say they went from having one of the best bullpens in the league to the best bullpen in the league with that trade. And just this makes their post postseason success for me seem so much more likely when you have just two absolute shutdown options there in, in the back end of the bullpen, and also they trade for a guy like Ryan Tapera, also from the Cubs, who has been excellent this year as well. And this makes the White Sox – oh, yeah, how can I forget about the other guy they trade for, Cesar Hernandez. Like, he's having a good year too. They – might have had to trade Nick Madrigal. They replaced him with Cesar Hernandez, and they got Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera. The White Sox are absolutely a winner. They made very smart moves here. Yeah, they're certainly a winner. I wouldn't call them the winner. And I'm pretty sure, Brandon, was this the team you were thinking of when you wanted to take issue with that claim yesterday? I mean, what I, I forget what the claim was exactly. That the... Uh, Dodgers were the only team that changed their position in the standings. See, the thing is, I I still had the Dodgers as as a world as the World Series winner. So when they trade for Scherzer and Turner, that just made them even a more likely winner in my book. The White Sox jumped up for me. The Yankees jumped up certainly because I because of the moves they made. Uh, you know, some other teams that jumped up, I guess, probably Atlanta because of the, you know, those those moves that they make there in the outfield and they're trying to go for it. Philly because of because of the Kyle Gibbs and Ian Kennedy stuff. So yeah, but mainly the White Sox, I think, were the team that I was surprised by just because of that Caesar Hernandez move. I mean, if you're gonna trade away Nick Madrigal. They basically just take Cesar Hernandez off of the Indians for free and also get Craig Kimbrell. It's very smart moves there. They completely abused their own division and their crosstown rival. Yeah, I think the other thing is that you don't think about is how much this opens up. Again, Yuan Mankata plays a great third base. He's not necessary there. There is a lot of good players going into this free agency. A lot of players that could play a third base could play a second base. So 
the more I think about it, the more I'm okay with moving on from Nick Madrigal. He's an amazing player. He He's conti- going to continue to as he gets older. However, this isn't an issue. This isn't going to be an issue if this team is aggressive enough in looking that way to be able to fill his role long-term. It's not like they're trading him for short-term success that fails. And then all of a sudden they have a gaping hole at second base for the next 12 years. They could easily move Mankata back, go get, I'm just throwing it out there, Chris Bryant, go get Chris Bryant, bring him back to Chicago. He did say he was willing to shine with the Cubs. So maybe he comes back to the White Sox, just throwing that, that one out there. But like, there's a lot of options. You've got a lot of middle infielders coming into this off season too. So that's not going to really hurt them. The reason I didn't say the White Sox is for me, it was the exact opposite of your thinking in the fact that I already saw the White Sox as clearly the best team in the American League. They're walking out of that American League the way they are currently put together. However, I don't see them beating, still don't see them beating the best team in the National League. Certainly not now. However, the Dodgers, the Dodgers put themselves squarely back above the Giants in my own rankings. So then all of a sudden it becomes, are the White Sox better than that Dodgers team? No, the offenses aren't comparable right now. They're incredibly young. They don't have nearly the same experience that the Dodgers do. We're talking, what is it now? Four, it'll either be four, or it'll be five World Series appearances in the last five five to six years. Let's see. Dodgers made it 2017, 18, 20. 20. Yeah. So it'll be the fourth in the last five years. The majority of this team has been there before. They know what it takes to win. I couldn't. I could not put them ahead of the Dodgers. So overall, they the Dodgers definitely were the biggest mover in this. Well, let's talk about who missed out on trading away some of their star players. I mean, who? What players were we surprised that didn't get traded? And I think we're immediately gonna go to one particular franchise. I think LJ uh, has some words here. Yeah, I just, I am genuinely shocked on a number of levels with this. The Colorado Rockies did not move a single piece. I'm okay with you keeping a couple guys on if you're committed to keeping them on for the good of the franchise, for the good of the fans, and just because they're flat out, either they're flat out good or their contract's flat out immovable. Uh, Charlie Blackman, of course, I could never see them leaving him out in the rain because he's kind of their only franchise piece from when they were at one point a potentially world potential world series contender in a few years that never developed he's certainly not going anywhere i don't really expect them to move herman marquez he is clearly one of the best pitchers they've ever had in there and as long as they have a chance to keep him around i think they will however there's a couple more names in here that are clearly not going to be on the roster forever or shouldn't be that they could have cashed in right away. Number one is going to be Trevor Story. Of course, the shortstop that everyone's been talking about going somewhere, anywhere for the last year. Brandon, how on earth do they not make this move? I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. 
I should actually more ask this about John Gray. That was that was a misstep on me because with Trevor Story, you could conceivably get a decent compensation pick for him leaving you, one that might actually, depending on how you value it, be better than any of the ret- some of the returns that you'd be getting for Trevor Story if you value that one player over anything else that you were offered. However, John Gray isn't isn't going to like move the needle on the draft pick spectrum. He's got I think this is either his last I think this might be his last year on contract. So, you'd have to bring, re-sign him if you were going to. How on earth do you not make this move cuz every everything points every sign points to it. For me. Yeah, how do you not make the move? And especially, you can only get draft pick compensation if you offer them the qualifying offer. They're not going to offer them the qualifying offer. They're not going to offer them a $19 million contract. Unless they want to keep John Gray for the fans, like, because he's been there for a while. Like, if you, I guess they want to keep Marquez and Gray for the fans, but I feel like the fans would have rather seen them try to try to get something i mean you got a half-ass return for nolan arenado and you gave up 50 million dollars and you haven't developed any of these prospects that you've drafted the last couple years you have one of the worst farm systems in the league there's just so many problems with the team that I'm not sure and trying to appease the fan base entirely is what they should be doing right now. No, I I also don't think appeasing the fan base is keeping everybody around again. Of course, let's, I don't even know. You don't even bring Charlie Blackman back up. He's a, he's a lock. However, if you were to just bring back one person of these guys that you could legitimately move that's fine. Honestly, Herman Marquez makes a lot of sense, but for you, you really just further disproved why they should, or proved why they shouldn't be going after a draft pick compensation for story rather than returns. They, they haven't, they haven't developed prospects. They haven't taken it from a prospect to production in years I mean, you're talking about who the best player on this team is. It, it's got to be Herman Marquez. They didn't even draft him. He didn't even spend – he spent the majority of his time in, I believe it was mostly the Rays system. I don't think there was another spot in between there. He was drafted by the Rays or brought in by the Rays. So, overall, I, I don't know how you don't go after prospects outside your system rather than bring in people – from a draft going after a draft pick. The one that makes no sense to me on multiple levels is their closer. Daniel Bard. I I just don't understand why no one was talking about him being moved at the deadline because I genuinely don't feel like his numbers have been all that damning this year. Certainly weren't last year. Um, Breaking through this, a 4.43 ERA as their closer, a 393 FIP. So, of course, he's underperforming on that mark. Either way, with cores taken into effect, he's an above-average pitcher right now. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. And I think he has a lot propensity for a lot more. I think he has talent enough in that closer role, in a relief role, more to say. I think he has more talent towards that 2020 Daniel Bard side than he does the 2021 Daniel Bard side. So if you're a team that's looking for depth in the bullpen, why weren't they getting more calls? Why weren't we hearing more about Colorado getting more calls for Daniel Bard. I mean, he just, he seems like a really good fit into a sixth or seventh inning role on any of these teams. Namely, the Astros were so committed to going all over Timbuktu to get pitching help. I certainly would have taken him over Yimmy Garcia. Yeah, I mean, uh, Daniel Bard has shown that I guess the problem with with a Daniel Bard is that other than his 2020 season, which was very good, he hadn't pitched since like basically 2012. So yeah, yeah, but there's there's no incentive for them to keep him around. Like oh no, I I completely agree. I completely agree that 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 uh furthers that point that he hasn't pitched since 2012 basically there's no yeah. reason to keep this guy around if he has any sort of value exactly and like he's only going to get a limited amount of value at 36 years old i mean after all that all that he went through in that insufferable 2012 season it just you know i can't blame him for how long it took him to come back but again, again thankfully he did come back to the game. But anyway, yeah, he's 36. He's not going to be around. He's not going to be closing when Colorado tries to make another run at it. Why would you not just sell him off to the highest bidder now while you have the opportunity? There's no better time like the present than the present. It just it makes too much sense to me. Well, the next guy I want to talk about is Luke Voigt. Uh, after the Yankees traded for Anthony Rizzo, a lot of people thought that Luke Voigt would be traded away from the Yankees. Uh, I heard a report that he was being shopped around, but it turns out that uh, not a lot of interest, I guess. Uh, also, LJ, I was thinking about it. I just feel like that these GMs were too busy trying to make other moves, and they were like, you know, like Luke Voigt becomes available so late no one really wanted to pursue him so late within the, the deadline. You know what I mean? And it's not that 
that's a bad thing. I also think the Yankees were just kind of feeling out offers. They weren't entirely looking to deal him. You know what I mean? But absolutely. I honestly, I think that's a bigger issue for the Yankees making a potential trade or not getting offers for Luke Voigt is the fact that I think a lot of GMs had to wait around and figure out if the Yankees were actually serious because I, I wouldn't be serious if I was the Yankees. I mean, again, Anthony Rizzo, I mean, it's great to have him. He's played very well since he's gotten there. However, I don't even think I call him the best first baseman on this roster. I still, I mean, defensively, yeah. Defensively, yes. However, Luke Voigt is possibly the second, probably the second best bat on this team. So, like, Uh, he's been, it's been rough this year. It's, you should see. He's barely played this year. I mean, 122 plate appearances, he's still under 100 OPS plus. It's been, yeah. Haven't, Haven't we always said, that you don't actually get any form of feel for a guy's season until he gets over 200. And even then a lot of guys change. So yeah, that's what are we talking about in terms of games with Luke Floyd? The 30, 30 games. Oh my gosh. He's played a month's worth of games. Yeah. But that's, but that's like exactly the point. If he's, he's had injury issues in the past and he's not staying healthy now, he's, he's on the IL currently. I mean, no, no, no. it makes sense why they would go trade for Anthony Rizzo and then want to deal. I mean, I guess, I guess that makes sense. But again, you could, you could easily end up blowing that deal a lot more than you could winning that deal because of the upside that Luke Voigt has. So if I were the Yankees, I'd honestly, at this point, especially when your other option is an aging Anthony Rizzo, I wouldn't have been taking talks to move him that that seriously i certainly wouldn't have been shopping yeah no i i agree uh the last uh going over to the arizona diamondbacks i believe next yes uh with Ketel Marte. uh we heard a we heard a lot about him prior like a week prior to the trade deadline but the whole week of the deadline, it, it kind of went, went a radio silent with the only guy Arizona really deals, Eduardo Escobar and Joaquin Soria. Uh, look, I don't blame Arizona for wanting to keep their 28-year-old superstar. Yeah, but again, if they're going to be in this type of rebuild, you should lock him up now or trade him. Well, you should do exactly what they did with Joey Gallo. He's got club options through 2023 and 2024. So he's still – he's got control. They, yeah. they have control over him. I know. I don't know. I just feel like you can you could easily cash that chip in and get a decent return for him, and all of a sudden this, um, this rebuild – starts coming along much more quickly. And you look at their top prospects, the bulk of them aren't going to be up until 2023, 2024. And that certainly doesn't mean that they're going to be in their prime. So you'd either have to feel very confident that he wants to stay around or 
you have to deal them, in my opinion, just because if you're able to do this again, you look at the absolute haul that the Nationals got this year with all of these trades that they made, just getting as many prospects as possible that are top quality. They're going to be able to start making progress towards the end sites of their rebuild within the next couple of years. I don't see a reason why you shouldn't speed up the process if you can. And a guy like Tell Marte could speed up that process with his versatility and offensive potential. Absolutely agree. Another guy who is a very similar uh, player to Ketel Marte is Byron Buxton, who we heard was unable to reach a deal to sign an extension with the Twins, and they are unable to deal him after being able to deal pretty much everyone that they wanted to. They dealt Nelson Cruz. They dealt Jay Happ, and uh, yeah, LJ, what a any reason why you think Byron Buxton didn't get traded, especially if apparently him in the front office clearly can't come to a deal. They couldn't come to a deal now. Keep in mind, there is still more time for that deal to be completed. There's a whole nother year. The short answer for the reason Byron Buxton didn't get dealt is because Jose Barrios did get dealt. Realistically, you go into next offseason, you're Minnesota, you're, you're a pretty small baseball market here. You're not going to be able to afford to bring everybody back on these huge, lavish deals. So the odds of you bringing back in free agency or re-signing before then both Jose Barrios and Byron Buxton were slim to none. So if I am Minnesota, I knew I needed to extend one in a perfect world, extend one, trade the other, and that'll be the way it goes. They obviously, you know, they were able to get a better return for, for Barrios than they were Buxton. I'm not surprised of that. I think there are very few teams that would, should be willing to take, a huge risk on him, certainly not giving up the high-level prospects that Toronto was willing to give up for Barrios. I mean, I just, you know, he's been so hurt for so long, and to still have to re-sign him in a, another year, that really hurts Byron Buxton's value, even if he is so good when he gets in there. So, at the end of the day, I think they're still going to try to try to bring him back next year. Now that they don't have to think even think about bringing Jose Barrios back, they might have opened up a little more money here when they start talking again. I'm sure in the winter, things might change a little bit. They might up that money. All right. Well, to cap it off, we're going to talk about the – Sunday night baseball game between the Rays and the Red Sox game three of a very big series for both teams this weekend and the Rays end up walking away with the victory they sweep the Red Sox they've won four in a row the Red Sox have lost four in a row LJ this is probably uh from everything I've been reading the lowest point of the Red Sox season so far I'm not sure if you can think of another point uh, uh yes I can it. opening series 
Okay, since the opening series, this has been the lowest point of the year. Uh, certainly, I've expressed my frustrations to you when the Yankees have been at their lowest point. Uh, yeah, how you feeling after getting swept in Tampa and relinquishing the division lead? Well, to be honest, you know, I, I'm not usually one to jump to fly off the handle. So I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is I'm feeling about this all. First off, it takes the sting off the fact that the Olympics are on, the Gold Cup was on. So I had plenty of distractions that kept me completely away from whatever was happening whatever monstro atrocities were happening on the baseball field this weekend, really for the better part of this past month. This has just been probably the coldest, maybe second coldest set stretch of the year across the board. We already know that this is not a very strong, not a very deep pitching staff. When they're on, they look good, but they can easily get lit up for four runs in the first three innings at times then all of a sudden you spend the whole game playing catch up and when you had this good a team uh, an offense out there you can get away with that a lot of times then all of a sudden you've got Xander Bogarts hurt didn't went into this series batting under the Mendoza line since the all-star break because of that wrist injury you've got other guys that were he heating up at the time but haven't looked so hot yet in these past week all of this has contributed plus subpar pitching to a 500 last 32 days. So, I mean, I guess there's really no, there's no reason for me to complain yet because I've seen them do it for stretches long enough that I know that that team is there. I'm not going to freak out over this, over this trade deadline because in this year with the amount of crazy prices that some teams paid for these top top of the line guys some of these top pitchers i can't ask them to pay that at this point in the year in their timeline so i'm not going to cry over not getting jose barrios i'm not going to cry over not getting max scherzer because there's no there is no way that we i could stomach giving up the return for that when overall i think we're in a good place and once this team kind of settles back out i think we'll end up with a strong end of the month strong September and overall be fine. Yeah. You know, to think that, that this is the only year of the Red Sox championship window is crazy. So to go all in on a rental pitcher is absolutely the right move for Heim Bloom to make there. Uh, clearly, I think we saw that you could get bats for bats for really, really cheap. But when it came to the higher end pitchers, this trade deadline, it was going to cost you. I mean, Craig Kimbrell, it cost an arm and a leg for Craig Kimbrell. Oh, it was obscene. I mean, again, that was the one I was really looking forward to because I figured if you have – I always figure if you have a strong enough bullpen, you don't have to worry about how long your starters go. You can lean on them as much as you can lean on – but you can lean on a good bullpen just as much as you can lean on good starters. So I figured if you balance – if you bring him in – all of a sudden you have an incredibly, incredibly deep and incredibly good bullpen, even though you already have a very deep bullpen to begin with. So I, I would have loved that. But then all of a sudden you look at it 
there's no way you can top Nick Madrigal. No one else is topping Nick Madrigal in this scenario. But um, to cap off the show, last little fun fact, Brandon, would you happen to be able to guess the last time the Rays hosted the Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball? Ooh, okay. So I know that the Rays were invented in like 1997. So it's definitely later than that. Rays hosted. So let's see, when have the Rays been good? Well, they made the World Series in 2008. I'm going to guess like maybe let's all because they won game 162 in 2011 to make the playoffs yeah i'll guess like 2011 or something 2012 you got it july 17th 2011 is the last time the rays hosted the red sox at the trop on sunday night baseball here was the starting lineup starting in center field for the red sox you have jacoby ellsbury followed by Dustin Pedroia, Adrian Gonzalez, Kevin Euclid, David Ortiz, J.D. Drew, Josh Reddick in left, Jason Veritek behind the plate, Marco Scutero at short with Josh Beckett starting this game. Then over on the Rays side, DHing and batting leadoff, you've got Johnny Damon, Ben Zobris. This is where the, the real blast from the past, the old our Rays teams come into play. Evan Longoria, Casey Kochman, Melvin Upton, Jose Lobatone, Sean Rodriguez, Sam Fold, and Reed Brignac. Sam Fold, the current GM of the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> Crazy. It's wild how time flies. It, it's wild how ESPN has managed to completely ignore that stadium for so long. Like, literally 10 years ago, one of the guys in that game is now the GM of a team in, in the league. And in, in his president that he works with is Dave Dombrowski. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wild. And when you think about Jacoby Ellsbury, Adrian Gonzalez, I mean, LJ, that probably feels like an eternity ago. Eternity, yep. <laughs> because you think, yeah. The majority of that roster was gone by 14. Oof. Actually, the majority of that roster was gone before then. So I would, yeah, that, that group probably lasted maybe another year after that. Of course, things started going downhill in about a month and a half from now. So I, I'd like to not revisit that month. But anyway, I believe, do we have anything else, Brandon? No, I think that's a good spot to call it quits for today. Thank you all for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Play the trivia game on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Check out the Belly Up Sports family on Twitter at Belly Up Sports at Belly Up Podcast. I'm Brandon Caramies, LJ LaFiora. We will be back tomorrow see you manana 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you served in the Vietnam, Gulf War, or post-9-11 eras, you may be eligible for expanded VA benefits. A new law known as the PACT Act provides disability compensation, health care, free toxic exposure screenings, and more to veterans who are exposed to toxins during their military service. You can submit a claim for your PACT Act-related benefits now. Claims received by August 10, 2023 may be paid back to August 10, 2022. Visit va.gov pact to learn more and file your claim. 